Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I am Simone de Rochefort and I am joined by my illustrious co-hosts, Christina Warren, Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable.com and Brianna Wu, Head of Development at Giant Space Cat. Brianna, I need you to change your title because that it's just really hard to say. Head of Development. Head of Development. Head of Development. I will Giant work Space on that Cat. for you. I'll see what I can do. I'll get right like on that. Like Supreme Commander of Giant Space Cat. Um, yeah. I don't know. God Queen Illuminati. of Giant Space Cat. Illuminati of Giant Space Cat. Head Illuminati. Chief Illuminati. Well, the reason I did that is it it's always seems so fake when you have a team of like five people to call yourself CEO. It's like, no, no, that's not believable. You Nobody's going to buy that. That's you know? true because I make fun. Like, you know, the people who are like young 20 somethings and they list themselves as CEO on LinkedIn of like their own, I don't know, frame making company and i'm like uh uh-huh. right? sure uh-huh. you are yeah sure yeah. you are the yeah. ceo of your own frame making company you and your buddy down so, at, i don't simone, know in your garage can, so simone can i tell you i squeed this morning when i saw your new twitter avatar because you have a polygon avatar I now know. and it's so awesome i'm so proud of you it's the best thing i'm so happy yeah. about how that picture turned out it's a very old picture i sent it and i was like i think i'll look good here and Turns out I do. I do look really good. I look very. You do. Your avatar family. is amazing. Thank you. Your avatar is the best. It's so good. It's the best thing the Polygon does. It's not the best thing the Polygon does, but those avatars <laughs> are pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing is the coffee machine in the kitchen at Vox Media. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll just jump right into what happened at the Apple event this week. Yeah. Which was a lot yeah. of things. Yeah, let's just, let's, let's talk about it. So we, we all kind of, I think we, or Christina and I live tweeted this at least. I don't remember if you did, Brianna. I guess your tweets weren't hot fire enough. But uh, I think <laughs> Lance Ulanoff said it best in his write-up of the event. It was, when you're there and you're experiencing it, not that I was there, you get really swept up in the emotion and the excitement of it and you're having a good time and it's exciting. But then after you kind of look back on it and you're like, oh, that was okay. It was fine. Yeah. That was some stuff. It was fine. And like, yeah, I'm still very into all the products that were announced, but it's true that none of them were really revolutionary in a sense. But totally. But you reviewed the iPhone SE this week. That review came out on Thursday, if I'm not it did. wrong. I remember. It I did. Your video. It did. It came out on Thursday. Yes. The video went up Wednesday night, I think, and then the video and then the, the, the review finished on Thursday. And it was funny because I was like, oh, I'm gonna ha- I'm having to do this pretty fast because um there there there's not a date set on this, so we can just get it up whenever. And um then I ended up uh still writing twenty two hundred words. So <laughs> Well, if it's an Apple product for you, it's like, ah, 2,200 words. Okay. But it was one of the things I was like, I didn't think I had a lot to say about it. And then I did. You know, so the the iPhone SE is, um, it's an interesting product. And and I kind of said this in my review. I don't think that it's, you know, obviously it's not revolutionary and it's it's not brand new because it's taking things, everything in it we've seen before. It's a form factor that we've known for years. It's a processor and GPU and a camera that we've known, um, you know, from a previous phone. Everything in it is is kind of you know like taken from from other products, but I think that 
it's price point, especially four hundred dollars. Um, and, and I know that people have, have said to me that the the starting price in other countries like India is higher. Although, from what I understand, I think John Gruber posted something about this. It looks like some Indian, um, you know, uh, sales places might have more leeway in terms of like kind of adding an extra padding and margin to get it down to a lower price. Regardless, it's it's starting price is lower than an iPhone has ever been before, and that's notable because basically the phone it looks just like an iPhone five S. Um, but it has, uh, except it comes in pink, AKA rose gold. Um, so, so, it, which was the color of my review unit. And so it looks just like an iPhone 5S, but most of the specs are from the iPhone 6S. And that I think actually makes it really interesting because mm-hmm. you've got this smaller phone, but it's super powerful. Um, most of the time, I mean, we, we did a Ray Wong, um, my coworker and, and Mashable product analyst did a, a comparison chart of other four-inch phones on the market, and he had to go back a couple of years because nobody actually makes a four-inch phone we anymore. We saw that they and were so, all from oh. 2015. Yeah, and they and were most all of them just are, pathetic. I mean, they're all like hot <laughs> garbage, basically. I mean, they're like hundred. Well, I mean, because they are, they're like hundred-dollar phones. Getting so, a little judgmental today, like right off the no, bat. No, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm going to pull up the article are right now. They're because, like, yeah, yeah. But they, 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 they seriously, these are like hundred-dollar smartphones. They're not things you would actually want to use. Okay, I'm just being honest. Like, so that, that's that's what they're up against in the four-inch space. Um, Whereas this is actually a really nice phone. You know, it's got the the exact same A9 processor as the iPhone 6S, same amount of RAM, same clock speed. They didn't cut any corners. The exact same rear camera, which supports 4K video and 12 megapixel pictures and, you know, 63 megapixel panoramics or whatever. Um, the front-facing camera is not great. It's 1.2 megapixel and it has the retina flash. So your selfies will be better illuminated, but like, you know, your selfie game is not going to be as good as it is on the iPhone 6S or iPhone 6S Plus. It does not have 3D touch, which is one of the best features Mm. of the the iPhone 6S. But for a $400 price point, I understand that. I'm like, okay, that would require probably a brand new screen. I know that the Brie, um, you you think that them not uh, having 3D touch is kind of says a, a bad precedent for getting developers on board. And I agree well, with yeah. that. I mean, it's all the UI, right? Yeah. So if I have my iPad Pro, right? And this is a device that's just begging for 3D touch. Like when I'm using uh, you know, GarageBand, I very much want those keyboard shortcuts like I have on the iPhone. So totally. when it's not on the iPad Pro, when it doesn't make the new smaller iPad Pro, and it doesn't make, you know, I, I, I guess this wouldn't be called a flagship phone, but certainly no. it should be considered a... You know, it's one of Apple's modern primetime phones. And I just, I think when it's kind of something they say, yeah, we could do it or not do it. I think it stops, uh, you know, it discourages developers from saying, hey, I know that 3D touch is going to be built into the newest devices that people are running. So this is something I should think about when I'm putting my interface together. It's just like, if it's an option, like developers are not going to do it, you know? (laughs) So yeah, keeping it off the iPhone SE basically makes it, something that developers would prioritize less is what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, definitely i think it's like apple either has to believe that this genuinely is something that brings value to the iphone because i think in retrospect if you look at all the s model upgrades right siri um i think siri proved itself to be an extremely you know useful s model upgrade I think the you know 64-bit architecture and the um, Touch ID sensor has proven mm-hmm. itself to be an essential part of the iPhone. I don't think Touch ID has made that case yet. You mean 3D and, Touch? Uh, yeah, 3D Touch. I'm sorry. <laughs> touch yes, ID. Yes. Who who uses right. that? Who cares but, about Touch ID? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway, sorry. Yes, that was a. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a fair point. I think we'll have to wait and see. I mean, especially with the iPhone 7. I use it all the time, you know, and I use it in apps a lot. But I do agree that it is one of those things. I, I mean, I, you're not wrong. Um, I think that it's I, – I take more, I guess, issue with it not being on the iPad than I do on the iPhone SE just because I do think that that would have required them to develop a completely different screen. And I think one of the reasons why this phone can sell for $400 is that they can use the same screen components, you know, the, the same glass, the same everything that they were using on the iPhone 5S. So I, I understand – I think from probably like from a, from a cost perspective, why they're doing it now is that the best product decision? That's a different situation, but I do think a big part of the reason that this phone exists and it's important to kind of keep that in mind is the business reality that this is a powerful phone at a lower price. So this gives Apple something to compete against some of the the, the less expensive phones on the market. Now it's not going to be as competitive, especially from a screen size perspective, as some of the Huawei and Xiaomi and, and Alcatel devices that are out there, right? And in in OnePlus and, and companies like that. Mm-hmm. But it does finally say that you can get an iPhone and not a cut rate iPhone, which I think is important um, for a price um, that is that is considerably less than what the iPhone 6S sells for. So the iPhone 6S starts at $650 and and the iPhone SE starts at $400. And um, I, you know, when I was writing my review, I was trying to kind of think about like who would buy this. And for me, I could never see myself going back to a smaller phone mm-hmm. after using nope. the, the iPhone 6 and then the 6S for the last, um, whatchamacallit, for 18 months. Yeah. I've gotten used to that, that, that size. And, and, and it's not even so much that I like the bigger size every, every single time. Like, I do have to use it two-handed. You know what I mean? It doesn't fit as well in my pockets. But it's the bigger screen, and I'm used to it. Um, going back to the smaller form factor, it felt a little bit like a throwback. It was nice to use it one-handed, but it's also a little cramped. You know, you're kind of like, you, you get used to what you get used to. I um, think if this is, like, if this is baby's first iPhone, the, the people who come to this from another phone won't really know what they're missing with 3D Touch, and then it'll right. be an upgrade if they stay with Apple and maybe get a bigger phone, or maybe they'll stick with a smaller phone. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I guess... Definitely, from a developer standpoint, it is sad that they're that's not being they're not being encouraged to develop 3D Touch for this phone. But for I don't think the customer will be missing anything. I, I, I don't think the customer will miss anything from it. I also think that the customer for this phone, it's a it might be baby's first iPhone. Um, but I also think that there are people out there who already have an iPhone five or an iPhone five S and are looking to upgrade to a newer phone. Oh, true, and true. Don't want to spend six hundred fifty dollars and they like the smaller size. Like, my mother-in-law is probably going to be getting this phone. Now, my dad, his iPhone 5C died last month, and so he went to the 6S. Aww. And my mom really likes the bigger size screen, so she'll be getting the iPhone 7. So my parents, who I at first was like, well, maybe this will be a good phone for them, they're like, no, we want the bigger screen. <laughs> my mother-in-law likes the smaller size phone, and she also likes the idea of not having to spend, you know, as much money out front for the phone. So I think that people some people genuinely like the smaller size and 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 you know certainly i think for for female hands there's something to be said about the one-handed use thing um and i also think that there's you know people who just don't you know who just genuinely like a smaller size screen but i do think there are people both in the united states and in other places who just want a powerful phone but don't want to lay out more than $600 for one and so this at least gives them that option. Yeah. Um, well, I want to be really clear. I, I think there's very much an argument to keep it out of this phone, you know, be, especially with the smaller size. I think 3D touch is less relevant. It's far more problematic that it's been kept out of like yes. another flagship. Yes. Um, you know, I agree. I, I agree completely. Like that is a huge problem. Like what is that debut at $600? Yes, it I does. Mean, there's no reason to not 
keep it in there. It's just, um, it's, oh, I think it's, um, I think that is a mistake, but I can forgive it in this film. Yeah. I, the one thing I'll also forgive in this one, the one we'll move on to the iPad is, uh, the, uh, the, the fact that it starts at 16 gigabytes for storage. <laughs> and I've, I've gone on record, like, and I wrote an article that says the 16 gigabyte iPhone needs to die. That was actually the headline of an article I wrote for Mashable. And I stand by that. But I will actually give it a pass in this case because we're now talking about something that starts at $400. And I do think that you have to take that into account. And you go, okay, you know what? In that case, I would say for most people, if you've got the money, spend the extra 100 bucks, get the 64 gigabyte version. That's what you should do if you want to keep this for a couple of years. But if you're looking at this as like a 12, 18-month phone, maybe and, – and, and you're not going to be taking 4K video. And look, you're not going to be taking 4K video <laughs> if you've got a 16 gigabyte phone. Then I think this might be completely adequate. Um I don't love it, but I also feel like for the price point, I can understand it. And and I even wrote my article. I said, you know, it's defensible in my mind for something for this phone to have a 16 gigabyte variant. It is still indefensible in my mind to have a flagship start at 16 gigabytes. So if I see a 16 gigabyte iPhone 7, I will start throwing things. So. Yeah. you know, I can't but, wait but for that. I can't I'm wait okay. for the inevitable meltdown of Christina Warren. Yeah, I would love to see them ship a 16-bit iPhone I just for like the animated might. GIF of Christina trashing her office you know, at Nashville. I know that they took out the 16-gigabyte model for the new iPad Pro, but I, I don't know. I'm not so confident that they'll do that for the, the iPhone 7. So we might actually see Christina Warren explode in fury. No, I mean, if that happens, that will be a great video that, that, that I'm sure that the, the video team I hope um, that they're ready. Will, will enjoy. Like, Please shoot it in 4K on your 16. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Like, like, look, look at how much. Because, uh. I mean, this uh, $400 phone, a $400 iPhone makes this a very cheap 4K camera for the people who shoot movies on their iPhones. Uh, so I, maybe there are people going for that 16 gigabyte model because they just want a cheap camera to shoot on cheap 4k camera okay but okay but like i mean i'm sure they're they're taking their lives in their own hands and up offloading their own footage but um i was gonna say because that's the only thing right that's actually not a terrible idea i mean you're you're talking about like that's actually not a terrible idea if you're strictly using it for the camera the only bad thing is that the size of the screen your viewfinder is going to (laughs) be although i guess it wouldn't be any less than it is on a dslr um, although obviously your optics aren't going to be as good, but I guess your, op- yeah. but I guess your, your viewfinder is not going to be any worse in that case. But yeah, you're basically going to have to be offloading pretty regularly, you know? Yeah. Um, that's actually, I hadn't thought about that. That's actually not a terrible point, Simone. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not a terrible point, Simone. No, I mean, <laughs> but I mean, what I mean though, is that like, I hadn't thought about that, but like, actually like you could almost make the argument, this is a decent 4k video camera that you can get for $400. The only downside is it only has 16 gigabytes of storage. Yeah. And you're going to have to constantly reload in another, you're going to have to constantly offload. So oh you're going to have God. to travel with like your, your, your iPad or, or, or your um, Mac with you to, to constantly offload. But other than that, I mean, yeah, why not? Why not? Oh my gosh. So the, uh, the new smaller 9.7 inch iPad pro was also announced at the Apple event. And this yes. definitely made me scream a lot because not only does it come in rose gold, but yeah. <laughs> was that Sorry. your your that was shriek that was of joy me. that was yes, beautiful was. i loved it but uh going back to what i said on last week's episode of rocket when i was like what would get me to upgrade to an ipad or to upgrade my ipad 2 to a newer ipad 
they brought all of that out. Like they brought out like the quad speakers. They brought out the multitasking. Um, they brought oh god, I'm I'm forgetting everything that was making me cry about this. That was actually <laughs> new. Christina, help me. Yes. You're not, not helping how me. Supposed, <laughs> how am I supposed to help you? I'm sorry. I was responding to somebody on Twitter. What am I supposed to Let me to be pull up the you? article about. I'm pulling up Lance's review so I can remember what is new about the iPad Pro that made oh, me. Oh, you cry. wanted to know what's new. Okay. Well, it has 4K video support, new camera, um, and. Uh, oh, yeah. Apple Pencil support. Duh. Apple Pencil support. Apple yeah, Pencil. Apple Pencil support. Three, uh, the, 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 oh, I, meant, I thought you meant on this one. Yes. Yeah, so Apple Pencil support, smart connector for the keyboard, accessory, USB 3, um, card reader support, better GPU, better CPU. Um, and, uh, the new one that the smaller one has the same 12 megapixel camera and 4k sensor as the, uh, iPhone 6s and the iPhone SE. So when we talk about 4k video devices, actually, <laughs> you might not look that stupid takey. I mean, like people will maybe laugh at you, but I could actually see like, they will definitely 4K, laugh. 4k video with the iPad though. No, it could actually be awesome because you've got that cute, that nice screen. Mm-hmm. It'll act as your viewfinder. We need like a giant selfie stick that can hold yeah. the big iPad. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, like, with like a steady cam harness. Yes, yes. Oh right. my god. Yeah, but like honestly, that could be really good. That would be amazing. Like, I'm actually I mean, really into like, this idea. Footage. If you have like a steady cam, like sort of thing for that, like because people have used you know the iPad before, like even though you look stupid using it for recording video, it is great to be able to see the viewfinder that huge and mm-hmm. in that high resolution. So to imagine doing that like with 4K, I'm kind of there. Yeah. Um, I will say I pre-ordered one of these, um, but my engraving, I think, has delayed its shipment by a week. But I did Do pre-order. you get engraving? What did you engrave I usually don't. I usually... <laughs> my, it says, the first line says, C-Max iPad. <laughs> and then the second line says, it's pink and it's fabulous. Oh my God, Christina. <laughs> I know. I okay. I usually I don't get engraved, but like, why not? Yeah. That's peak Christina. I, don't, <laughs> I always don't get it because it just hurts the resale value. But I have to. I say, agree, but I, I, do, I haven't resold a... my iPads. Well, that's don't you the like point. hoard and your electronics for? I well, here's the problem: the resale value ends up being so like inconsequential. Like it used to be really high, yeah. But now it becomes like so inconsequential that I figure in like the eighteen months or two years that I have this thing, like in two years' time, the amount of money I'm going to get for it is going to probably not be worth my time. So I was like, let me just get this engraved and have it look great. Yeah. Why not? Fair. Why not just I be don't know. Christina, I think as you said? this is a story that I, I don't think I've really seen covered that much. That I've definitely noticed, uh, you know, I used to just take my Mac and like if Apple brought out a MacBook and it wasn't the, the perfect thing, I'd be like, well, I'll just turn around and sell it, you know, just instantly and I'll just upgrade and it'll cost me a few hundred dollars. I've noticed um, the ability to get like a really high resale uh, value on Max has definitely dropped as people have kind of moved away from, um, you know, like, you know, getting uh, like the Mac being as relevant as iOS. And then so many people have iOS develop uh, iOS tools these days that the, the right. resale value definitely drops. Have, have you right. experienced that, Christina? I definitely have. Like I remember yeah. my very first iPad. So that came out, you know, in 2010 and I got the one with 3G. And, um, and it was, I guess it was 32 gigabytes, or maybe it was 64. It was whatever the highest capacity you could get was. And it was like $800. And I sold it on Gazelle, I think, for like $550 a year later and then got the iPad too. So it was one of those things where that's one of the most, the highest resale values I've ever had on a device. And even my iPad 2, I then sold that to someone. I got a decent amount for it. But then I noticed like with the iPad 3, 
A, because they changed the connector type. B, because it was only available for seven months. Thanks, Apple. Uh, <laughs> C, just other reasons. Like, I was never able to get more than like maybe two two hundred dollars two or three hundred dollars for it and this was after a year and i was like this was a seven or eight hundred dollar tablet i'm not taking that much of a hit so i just gave it to my husband and he still uses it my ipad air one it's 128 gigabytes it has lte i could probably only get 250 dollars for that honestly it's not worth my time to sell it for that little amount of money when it still could be functional as an ipad you know what i mean yeah. like it won't be like we able to run the latest stuff but i can still do it so i have noticed that brie i've noticed it with phones i think what it is is that apple has sold so many more products than they yep. have before that the, the 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 market becomes flooded with them so yep. in the past like even five years ago you could totally make your investment back very easily. Like you would basically pay, you know, a minimal amount to kind of rent it for a year. And then if you kept it in good condition, you could sell it over again. Now that's really not the case. And so No, it's phones- not. In fact, I would actually, after I got my tax deduction for, um, you know, like getting uh, an Apple device and then selling it and then deducting it as a business expense, I swear I worked out the math and it cost me like $100 to upgrade uh, my Mac every single year, uh, you know, say five years ago. And that's, it's just simply not true anymore. Exactly. So, and and, and so. Right. I mean, I think Macs have held their value a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's because I think, they, you know, they release them once a year and people still and, and Apple, you know, still sells refurbished Macs on their website. And so you can oftentimes find at least on like eBay or, or Craigslist or, or individual sellers, you can often sell well that way. You know, you can kind of price in line with what other refurbished costs are, maybe a little bit lower and do okay. But yeah, I mean, they, they don't hold their value as well. I think it's just because there's so many more out there. And, and, and yeah. also there, there's so many, like, especially when you're talking about tablets, which is a category with, which hasn't really evolved the way a lot of us expected it to. Um, you know, people use them for different things. And at this point, you know, the only high-end tablet you can really get unless you're talking about a Surface, you know, Pro, which is really a computer, is an iPad. But a lot of people are pretty content to just have like a Kindle Fire sort of thing, you know, or a cheap Android tablet. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to make the argument, oh, well, you should be paying, you know, X hundreds of dollars for this iPad. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I, my, my, that's honestly why I did go ahead and get the engraving this time. I usually don't. And I was like, you know what? Like, (laughs) When it comes time for me to get rid of this thing, I don't think that the engraving is going to even make a damn bit of difference. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, can we talk about, I, I don't feel like there's really that much to say about the, you know, the new smaller iPad Pro other than I wish I'd waited. But, you know, I was very disappointed that they didn't uh, refresh their Macs this cycle. Yes, you know, I, I know we had definitely heard yeah, a lot of rumors. I don't know. You know, we were talking about this in the relay chat that sometimes, you know, we do have a tipster that kind of, you know, a lot of the things they say end up being correct, you know, um, you know, and they'll talk about products that are coming out. Um, so I don't know. The really big one I've been waiting for is, you know, uh, to really put out a Retina MacBook 15 inch yeah. that is competitive enough in the graphics department that I can do development on it. And they didn't do that. And, you know, I have to say, I love my, you know, uh, 12 inch MacBook one. It, it really is a computer I use the most these days, but the instant they come out with something better, I will take the hit totally. and upgrade it because it is very, very yeah. slow. But so what, yeah. What Mac do you do your development work on? Do you, do you use the MacBook Pro for development work? 
I do sometimes. Okay. Um, it, it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm doing uh, Maya, updating a set, doing character, doing you know, texture work, I do that in mm-hmm. OS X uh, on a Retina MacBook typically. Uh, for actual Unreal level design stuff, you know, obviously you have to do a Mac Pro for that. Yeah. So the 2009 OctaCore Mac Pro, which at this point is so aged, it, it it's yeah. becoming too slow to do development work on. Christina and I were talking before, uh, you know, the show and... You know, I'm never going to be able to ship Rev60 if I don't get a MacBook to use on the road just because I get so many speaking invites. I'm doing, you know, I'm on the road doing venture capital stuff every day these days. Like I'm in the (laughs) office six days this month, Um, you know, that... I'm I'm actually as soon as I got done recording this today, I may go to the uh, Apple. I'm sorry, the uh, Microsoft store and end up buying a Surface Book. Just because, you know, Apple does not make a device that's worth $3,000, like a portable laptop that, you know, is worth $3,000 as far as graphical power. So, you know, it's uh, it's very frustrating. I didn't know this, but uh, the, the high-end $3,200 model that they have in the stores does have a discrete GPU in it. Yes, it does. But, yeah, but if you look at it, it's it's still pretty mediocre, um, you know, it's mediocre you know there's no other way to say it so so. yeah no i was disappointed with with the lack of macbook updates too and i wasn't necessarily expecting them i was kind of holding out hope it was one of those things where we hadn't heard it from mark german who tends to be dead on about these things and when he was like they're probably coming later i was like well then they're probably coming later but you hold out hope you know you're hoping (laughs) yeah announcing it because skylake finally mintel finally you know shipped the freaking mobile skylake ship so we're like okay you can finally update this and it is time for them to do it but what they've done the last couple of times, and I think this, you know, kind of goes to, to Lance's point in his op-ed about, you know, did we really need an event for this, was that they have, I mean, they've had a couple of back-to-the-Mac events, and they've, they've announced them at, at certain, you know, if, if it's happened to kind of, you know, coincide with something, that the, the new 12-inch MacBook got announced at, at the Apple Watch event um, last spring. But in general, a lot of times they just come out with a press release, and you get an update that way. That's what yeah. they do with the iMac, too. You know, maybe you have, you know, product briefing, and, and people will get review units, but you don't have the, the, the pomp and circumstance. And so... Um, I'm hoping that they'll be doing that next month, you know, because it's time, um, it, it, especially I think for, for, for the 12 inch MacBook. I mean, that's a great device, like you said, but it is slow and it, and it's, it's a, it's a wonderful size thing, but it, I think like a year in, like it, it, it's definitely, you know, Intel's chips are a lot better and, and there have been improvements made that's like, yeah, go ahead and update that thing. You know, Don't make you it more think it's time for them to update the, the Retina MacBook? Oh, yes. Because, like, um, yes. you know, because the they, they, form factor came out when? It was 2012, right? Yeah, it came out 2012. I don't know if they're going to update and do anything drastic with the form factor, although I think that, that it, they definitely could, you know? But but at a certain point, you're almost like, okay, how much more are you, are you going to evolve this? Um, I just want um, Touch ID in the Mac. I oh, my really God, that would be amazing. That would be great. I, I would love Touch yeah. ID in the Mac. Um, I would also really like to see you know thunderbolt 3 USB-C. there are a lot of things that they could kind of do um yeah i mean and, and last year you know they they released the updated you know um macbook pro at least 15 inch you know they, with, with haswell but like they had to still use haswell because skylake wasn't available and um you know they, they slightly updated the, the, the gpu but it wasn't um anything um substantial and uh you know and i think that they were their their hand was kind of forced by intel not having their their uh their product line um you know on target but now the skylake stuff is out so like let's get some new macs because mama wants a pink macbook <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what this Simone, is all about 
Simone, can you track my memory? Which which Mac did you get? Because you just bought one for your new job. Right? I got a refurbished MacBook Pro for my personal use and a MacBook Air for my job, which was apparently a mistake. And they are actually giving me a MacBook Pro. But um, that I is... was going to say, how could you do your job on a MacBook Air? <laughs> I had so many people say that to me. And I was like, I don't know. I just talked to the IT people and this is what I got. This is... <laughs> Anyway, so they're going to give they're going to give you probably an iMac. I would assume. Yeah, uh, I I might get an iMac. I'm not sure, but um, most most of us edit on MacBook Pros just for the mobility of it. Um, and nothing I do is that intensive. Like if I were doing stuff like Studios does, I would probably want an iMac. But anyway, I'm getting a MacBook Pro. Um, yeah, I use a MacBook uh pro for my personal stuff and i have unfortunately not had the option to edit um to try to edit video or audio on it just because um i installed that on my my work machine as soon as i could it definitely chugs a bit on the macbook air as you might expect if you were trying to edit video on a macbook air i've had actually less problems with it than i thought that i would um it's definitely like workable i've been able to put out a lot of professional stuff on that machine um so does that answer your question (laughs) it does uh i think next time you should not talk to tech support you should talk to christina and me like we'll give you better information i promise well but but they they procure what device she can get so they just made a mistake not realizing but yet no totally yeah Yeah, let me march into the my new place of work and be like hello Please give me your IMAX. All of them. Right, right. <laughs> no, but it is. It, it was funny because when you told us that you were editing with an uh, with an uh, with a, a MacBook Air, I was like, um, no, <laughs> o- okay. I mean, because in a pinch, you can absolutely do it, and I've done it before. Um, but no, like not <laughs> yeah. if that's your primary job. That's just that, that's not what that's designed for. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, no, it, it feels like every single time Apple, you know, has an event and it doesn't have anything super blockbuster that, um, you know, it feels like people are super disappointed about it and kind of hold them to, you know, unfair double standards. I mean, when Google I.O. doesn't have anything super blockbuster, people don't write like Google is doomed pieces and all of that. But um, I don't know. I couldn't help but notice all the shade, the verge was throwing at uh, Apple this week, like their headline for their SE review was like, uh, yesterday's design, today's hardware, which is I kind of catty in a way I, watched, I love. Uh, Christina's yeah. video and Laura's yeah. video back to back. Yeah. Lauren, Lauren's video yeah. back to back. Um, yeah. It was, it was so such an interesting difference in perspective on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I- <laughs> Which is totally valid. Like, both are valid, for sure. I'm trying to say that they reinvented the wheel because they didn't. But I was excited about a $400 phone. Yeah. Sure. I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, the Apple TV upgrade, I think um, that's not really going to get much press. I I looked into it. It doesn't seem super substantive. Um, I thought the FBI uh, remarks from Tim Cook were very correctly the the biggest news from this event. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I wrote something about how I think that that whole case kind of overshadowed what happened, kind of the tenor of the event. It was kind of the elephant in the room and it was obviously addressed at the beginning, but you still kind of got the sense from just the whole way the event was laid out that they had bigger things going on than just new products. And um, but yeah, I mean, I think the consumer response to this stuff is more tepid. But I also feel like you're you're right. I mean, it's like they're held to a to a much higher standard than, than other companies. But to the same point, to Lance's point, I think this is proof that you don't always need to have an event for everything. 
And I have a yep. feeling that, for instance, the next time they update the four-inch phone, which maybe it'll be in a year, maybe it'll be in two years, you know, maybe they're going to be keeping this around for a while. I would expect it to just be a press release. I, I wouldn't expect them to have to show it off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get, you know, what you're doing and why you, you, you make this announcement. But um, I think that I was talking about this with Jason Snell on MASH Talk this week. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it just it, it just kind of shows, like, people have such high expectations for what Apple is doing. And so he and I are kind of of two minds. Like, one, on the one hand, we almost feel like they need to do more of these low-key events to kind of dissipate people's uh expectations but then on the other hand i mean i don't know if there's really anything you can ever do to just i mean they're they're a victim of their own success i mean you know i'm I'm not going to cry for apple because people are expecting the best because it's like well they are doing that because you've made your events larger than life you know what i mean like they're a victim of their own success in a way but at the same time i don't think it's as fair to to criticize you know well they, they they did nothing because the products that they came out with even though they're not new really are still substantial and are still probably things people people are going to like. I They're mean, solid. this is the first iPad I'm buying in a year and a half. Um, I used to buy the iPad every single year, you know, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. or no, excuse me, two and a half years. It's been two and a half years since I got an iPad. So like, this has been a long time coming for me. So yeah. So like, Dang. I'm, I'm super stoked, uh, to, to get it. I think that, um, it's going to be pink obviously. And, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, and <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, I think this this was an important event for that exact reason that, that you wrote about, Christina, Tim Cook's remarks at the beginning, because it's almost a keeping up appearances and keeping up normalcy. Like, the, the Apple truck is still <laughs> chugging along, despite the conflict that they've had with the FBI. They're still putting out products that are solid and good, and that consumers may not be, like, frothing at the mouth over like we were over the 6S, but consumers are still interested in and that offer value to the Apple lineup of products. And I think it's very important that, you know, Tim Cook came out and addressed that and brought tears to my eyes, and that then they just had a good, solid show that, you know, wasn't a blockbuster, but they haven't... They're they're showing that they're still doing their work despite everything that's been going on these past few months. Yeah. I think that's well said. Yeah. Squarespace, in case you don't know, is the simplest and easiest and most wonderfulest way to create a beautiful home for yourself in the online world. Whether you want to create a landing page or an online store or a website to showcase your beautiful work or your beautiful blog or your beautiful podcast, whatever you want, you can build that website today at squarespace.com. And here's where the deal gets sweet if you enter offer code ROCKET at checkout you get 10% off your first purchase. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Squarespace is a super easy way to build a website, whether you have buckets, oodles of knowledge of code, or whether you're just a plebe who knows nothing and wants to use a template or wants to, I don't know, build a website from Legos or something. Squarespace is the way you can do both of those things. At the same time, probably, too. Anyway, yeah. So Squarespace offers templates and tools to make building a website really easy if you've never done it before. Um, But then you can also get in and tinker with the code and customize things yourself if that's more your speed and what you want to do. It makes it super flexible that way. And it takes away all the pain points of worrying about the things like hosting and scaling and what to do if you get stuck in the process of building your beautiful online home. Because they have 24-7 support, live chat, and email all over the freaking world. So, you know, you can hit them up if you run into a snag and keep building your website long into the night 
which as we know is when the best coding gets done. Uh, <laughs> Brianna Wu can probably I testify do. I to that. I get a lot of UV. Either the best or the worst coding. In the morning, I can't sleep. I get up and go code, and it it, it helps a lot. So I agree. <laughs> Surprisingly, I think it yeah. applies to writing as well. Like I do as a lot do of I. Writing in the middle of the night. So maybe you, tonight, tonight, as you are listening to this podcast, should go to squarespace.com and start building your website. Uh, it, you can, there are a lot of different templates that you can use depending on like what exactly the product is that you're representing, um, whether it's your business, whether it's your store, etc. I know one Brianna Wu has made a store on Squarespace that made yeah. gangbusters. Selling, yeah. selling hand turkeys to the, the yeah. isometric yeah. listeners. Um, and that's why you today are living in a mansion. <laughs> I actually, I did go out to a lot of expensive dinners from selling hand. I exploited isometrics listeners. So, like, Christina. <laughs> did Georgia Dow see one cent uh, of that hand turkey few, money? Not much. Not as much <laughs> as me. So, yeah. Just like three? Yeah. Three cents. Well, we sold the premium hand turkey. So, like, I got Georgia Dow to draw a hand turkey, and then Frank drew a over her hand turkey and made it like a mecha tank with dinosaurs attacking and people loved that more so i i took her oh so it was all yes, it was all it was frank all frank, frank really, didn't see contributed it. Yeah. the the yes, special yes, sauce yes. of the hand turkey we should do that will. with you Christina. the gravy i mean yeah we how can we not have a t-shirt out for rocket at this point i just have to say uh, because I keep forgetting to okay. ask okay. Stephen about because okay. we need we need okay. a rocket That's T-shirt why. and That's exactly say make, making it weird since 2015. Yeah. yeah, you totally should check out Squarespace. It is one of the most recognized and trusted brands for building websites in the world, which is why you've heard of them, which is why we keep talking about them. Um, if you want to build a website, they're the place to do it, and you can do that today by going to squarespace.com and entering offer code Rocket to get 10 percent off. Uh, their plans start at just $8 a month. So, you know, I'm not going to do that math for you, but I'm going to make you do it yourself. Squarespace.com. Thank you <laughs> for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. So, uh, we've been really excited lately about Brianna's many experiences yeah. with Nest products. But then this week, things happened in the Nestiverse, as it were, um, that kind of. I guess shed an interesting light on what the future of the company might be now that they've been acquired by mm -hmm. Google. Do you want to get well, into that? Um, you know, uh, just to catch everybody up, um, you know, when I was at South by Southwest this week, I had a uh, lunch with the journalist who had won uh, some Nest stuff and she lived in New York, like, uh, like Christina does. And I guess you do now, uh, Simone. And she's like, I can't like go hacking cameras and, 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 you know, thermostats into my apartment. Do you want it? I'm like, Oh yeah, I do. So, uh, I got like everything wired into my house. It's super nice. And I got, like you know um i got these special adapters for the camera to put them outside in boston and you know then uh so like now i'm a super nest fangirl and you know then this week uh gruber brought out this story that's kind of showing uh, a lot of pretty serious problems at nest with the um with the um you know their uh acquisition of drop cam mm -hmm. which is where the nest cam came from and basically kind of just uh describing a uh you know 
internal culture in the company, it seems to be a bit broken. Uh, I did disagree with Gruber a bit on you know the the severity of what they were talking about, but I mean, Christine, what were your thoughts on this piece with Nest? Well, first of all, I mean, I think that kudos to the information, which is um, yeah. a, a publication who got this, and I really like what they do. Uh, Jessica Lesson started it a couple of years ago, and she's done an amazing job, and and it's it's a paywall publication, although they will now let people share art, so let subscribers share articles, and if you put in your email, you can read it. Um, they have kind of a inter- an interesting share system, but they got this story and uh, Reed um, Albergati uh, wrote it. And I have to say what's astounding about it is that most of the time when you see these sorts of narratives where you're talking about something that's happening where there's kind of a culture clash inside a company and you're talking about kind of struggles and things that are happening, especially when there are a lot of personnel problems, most of your sources are on background or off record. So you have anecdotal things from, you know, from X number of employees who, who, who fail, who, you know, decline to be named, you know, in fear of retribution from the company. This is not the case with this story. There are certainly some people who have spoken on, on anonymity, but Tony Faudel, who is the CEO of Nest, um, as well as many of the other people who are like prominently involved in this story, not only did they comment on record, but Google PR, or Nest PR, commented on record too, and basically uh, like completely confirmed the accounts that had been told. And so it's an amazing story just in that standpoint, like from a journalism perspective, that he got everyone to go on the record to talk about this infighting that's happening and kind of the, this culture clashes. It's really remarkable. I've, I can't ever recall a business story for a company like this where the people at the center of it have been willing to be so open about it. I mean, and, and I think that to, to your point, Brie, I mean, I think that I don't think it's as damning as Gruber said, but it definitely does present kind of shows kind of the reality that there have been some challenges since Google acquired Nest. So, you know, Nest came out with the, with their thermostat and they obviously had, you know, bigger uh, things in mind for going into other areas. But right after Google acquired Nest, they also wanted to acquire a company called Dropcam. And, and so Nest made that acquisition and, and Dropcam, you know, made these great um, wireless uh, security cameras, uh, Wi-Fi controlled security cameras. Um, and, um, had a cloud service, and they had some other things in the works too. And so that was kind of the basis of what is now the Nest Cam. But there has the integration, at least between the Dropcam team and the Nest team, has not worked well. And and I have I know someone who used to work at Dropcam and then was he did oh really yeah and he did wow. not last very long at Google. Um and, and I didn't ever really get the story, but I got the sense that there was kind of a culture clash and 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 that hmm. the things that the Dropcam wanted to do maybe Nest didn't. Um, want to put the resources into. And that's kind of the underscoring of the article, which kind of says, you know, it, it kind of presents Tony Feldell, uh, who um, was one of the early engineers on the iPod, as kind of a perfectionist to the point, though, where they're not shipping products. And, and, and in his mind, he doesn't think that's a problem because Nest is so many years ahead of the competition. And I think that's probably true, at least for their core products. But I think that it it's equally true, and there's a follow-up story in the information, and it's mentioned in, in this longer piece, that you know Google has been trying to come out with a, um, a Amazon Echo competitor, and they're not letting Nest do it. Because they can't really trust, I don't think, Nest. The, the implication, whether this is the case or not, is that they kind of can't trust that Nest will be able to get it out on the timeline that they deserve. So Nest has kind of been working on, you know, a, a total home hub, you know, an Internet of Things hub for the home. They're, they're calling Flintstone that has been delayed because they can't get the software right or they, it's not as perfect as, as Feldell would want. And so there have been challenges with them getting new products out. And so if you look at their lineup, you know, other than the, 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 the Nest Cam um, and, and updates to, you know, the thermostat and the, the smoke alarms, you know, they haven't had a new product in, in a couple of years. And so that, 
you know, for, from a Google perspective, I'm sure is probably kind of like disconcerting um, when they've apparently had products in the works. You know, they've, they had their own cameras in development, but then they went with the Dropcam stuff. They had, you know, their own kind of security tag sorts of things. This was an idea that Dropcam had that they were actually very close to shipping before they were acquired. And then they were acquired and it died because I actually saw prototypes. And it was an interesting idea where you basically had these almost like NFC or like beacon like types of tabs where it would enact different actions when you're near them. So for instance, you could be on your phone and, and if a tab is in a certain place, you know, you could enact an action and it would unlock your windows knowing if you are near a certain thing. It was really cool stuff. Um, and, and, but, but Nest was apparently working on something similar and so they said, we're going to go with our technology and a year and a half later, um, nothing has ever shipped from it. So um, reading the the article, I mean, you kind of get the sense that Tony Feldell is very exacting and has, you know, strenuous standards, which is understood. But also, it seems like their product story isn't quite, um, at least the impression I got. I don't know what your impression was, Brie, but I kind of got the story. It, it seems kind of confused right now, whereas they have a lot of things that they're trying to do, but nothing really to show for it. And I think the problem is, is that Alphabet, you know, uh, Nest is, is not really part of Google. It's actually now part of Alphabet as its own unit. You know, they see products like the Amazon Echo, which is getting improvements every single day and is, is a really big hit. And they're like, why are we not doing that? Um, to the point that, you know, the Nest actually works with the Echo, which is great. But you do kind of wonder, like, why Google doesn't have their own product. And, and so it turns out they're working on one and Nest is not going to be part of it, which is really interesting. Yeah, that's pretty damning, I have to say. How do you come back from something like that as a company? Like, how do you pull yourself out of a spiral of non-productivity or just stagnating in your productivity. I mean, I think well, I have out. to say, I don't think that's a, I mean, maybe this is where I disagree with, uh, with Gruber and Christian, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, but I don't necessarily agree that they are stagnant. Um, as someone that uses nest, um, you know, I was looking through this piece and like some of the things I wanted to do is to update the, uh, drop cam versus the nest cam with kind of their proprietary driver inside of it and set up some of the things I use the most, like the motion capture zones. Um, that is a really, really helpful mm -hmm. feature, like to be able to boot up your, your, um, you know, boot it up in windows and say, okay, I don't want to see the street right here. I want to see, you know, this area of the screen. Like that is a super, super, super helpful, um, thing to me. So I don't know if I really uh, agree with Gruber on that. Um, yeah. But it is true that they've been working on products right. for years yeah. and haven't right. gotten them yeah. to the door. So, I mean, perfectionism is definitely, it's a blessing and a curse, I think, in a scenario well, like this. Right. You want it to be right and you want it to work correctly. And it's certainly true that they've been building a lot of infrastructure under the hood that has been running these things. And I think that that can't be understated. I think that that's an important thing to keep in mind, right? Like that's something that's going to carry their future products forward. But at the same time, you know, you look at, for instance, the, the, the Dropcam Pro, which is a great, or the, the, the Nest Cam rather, which is a great product. But fundamentally, other than having kind of support for, 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 for Nest, um, you know, uh, wireless network stuff. And, I, and again, I don't want to underscore how important that is, but fundamentally the product is the same. So, I mean, it supports the Nest app, but the product itself is the exact same thing as what Dropcam had released you know, like a year earlier. So you're kind of at a point where I agree that Nest is still ahead of the competition, but you see these other product categories like the Echo, and that is an area where you would expect Nest to already be. And they're not there, and I think they everybody has to kind of look at why that is. And, and I think that, you, you know, to your point, Simone, I don't know how you kind of get out of this rut except you start shipping products. And, and you know, I think it, it would what this 
article kind of underscores is I think for people at, at, at Alphabet um, and probably, you know, at Nest as well, is that whatever their next big product introduction is, is going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to really hit it out of the park because just doing iterative updates when you already have a small product line, it's okay. But when it, but you know, the rest of the world, even though you're ahead, the rest of the world isn't slowing down either. So like they might have kind of like their, their, their a game for, you know, the security camera stuff, although other security cameras are going to get good too. And, and they might already, you know, they are unquestionably like the best in kind of the thermostat space. But when you have other product categories that come to this connected home world that you're not, that maybe you've got stuff in development, but it's not shipping then it doesn't really matter how good your tech might be because the echo is out now. No, I think mm. that's fair. Um, I mean, to me, I, I really saw it as kind of a, a culture clash yes. thing here, right? Like Tony Fidel comes from the Apple world. He's now working for the Google world, right? He has a very specific um, management style. And there was clearly some abusive uh, behavior that was outlined in this, yeah. um, you know, in this piece. That, like, that he admitted a bunch to. Of people yeah, and a bunch of people quit, and he's like, you know what? You don't want to have victim syndrome, like you know, and just pretty much blasting these people for leaving. And what, 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 to me, what, what I, I have to say, guys? I thought one of the more interesting parts of the article. To me, the most interesting part of the article, which I've seen no coverage about, is this one uh, couple of sentences from Google and Tony Fidel talking about how, like, look, you know, we don't just have carte blanche of spending money anymore. Like Alphabet right. refers to every one of the divisions as a bet and you know gives us a budget for the year and makes us stick to it and i thought that was very oh, that's really cute so. yeah no that's that is super interesting and i think that that is a good point right that they don't they have to be more fiscally you know responsible about what they do and that maybe is a change from what had happened you know nest had had a lot of funding and it got very hot very quickly and i think before it was its own division google probably did give them more money and so i think you're right i think that's a good point what I thought was really telling, and this is interesting, was that one of the, the guys kind of profiled in the article, one of, you know, Faldel's kind of top engineers, wanted, Faldel comes to his wedding, and then he wanted to take a month off for his honeymoon. And Faldel was like, you can't take your honeymoon. And the guy's like, well, I'm going anyway. And he says, well, if you leave, you're not going to come back. You're going to come back without a job. He came back, and he still had his job. Faldel didn't follow up on that. But, the, but that guy, you would think, like, that's the sort of sort of thing where, like, you work your butt off for months and months and months. You're one of somebody's top people. And then you're told you can't take time off, but you come back and you have the job anyway. But the amazing thing was his, his comment on the record. He said he compared his relationship with Tony to a marriage and kind of said, well, you know, you have your pros and your cons, but, but this, you know, is better than other stuff. And so it's this weird functional dysfunctionality that I do think is probably reminiscent of, of some of the things that happened in the Steve Jobs, uh, you know, uh, Apple. Um, and and I I wonder how many people who started working for Nest, you know, before it was acquired, were prepared for that. Certainly, it doesn't seem like a lot of people at Dropcam um, were were prepared for that. Those were different cultures. I thought it was actually kind of um, not great for Faldel to kind of say to imply that a lot of the people at Dropcam that came over that, that they lost a lot of people. A lot about a hundred people joined, and more than half of them I think had left, and kind of implied, well, they were pretty terrible. They weren't the the best people. I think that's kind yeah, of, that's terrible. I think that's pretty <laughs> terrible because even if you think that, don't say mm. that. You know, and then don't and and don't confirm, don't say that at a meeting, don't say that in in, in emails. Just you know, be a bigger person than that because that's kind of crappy. Because the fact of the matter is, they made a really good product that was doing really well, and their yeah. and their co CEO of that, you know, the co founder of that company, um, 
regret selling to to Ness. He regrets selling to Google, and he got a big payday, and he sold out once before. I'd, I've interviewed him before. I've met him. He's a nice guy. He regrets doing that because he feels like the identity of that company went away. And I'll be honest with you. When I looked at like what I know Dropcam was working on before they were acquired, I think that on the uh, while it's very true that that you know they probably never would have had kind of maybe the ubiquity that they could achieve as as being part of alphabet they were already selling really well and they certainly had other products in the pipeline and it's kind of a shame when you see those things disappear um that doesn't that's not to say that they couldn't be reborn in the future as something better but you know it's got to be frustrating if you're building something if you're working on a project and you're working for a company and you get acquired and all of your hard work is kind of told well really that's not that important and, yeah. and, and we don't value you and yeah. the people who work here aren't really good enough to work here. That's kind yeah, of terrible. I think, yeah. Well, it's just like that power play of um, don't go on your honeymoon, you'll lose oh. your job is such a, it's, that's everything that is wrong about you, what we hear about yeah, tech I companies agree more. these days. Like it that is. that is I it mean, in although, although, you know, in fairness, he came back and he still had a job. So he called his bluff. But, but agreed. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's Completely. like it's an empty threat that would make a a person a, who wasn't exactly. so confident or in his job as or, much money. Yeah, exactly. Or her job. No, you're dead on. Yeah. Yeah. That person would think again and not go on their honeymoon and be, you know, angry yeah. in that position, but staying to keep their job. And that's yeah. that's a yeah. problem. So, anyway, uh, I mean, this is dead. the last I wanted to say on this, but um, so one of the things I think is really interesting in this piece, they talked about the outdoor version of the cam being delayed, yes. delayed, delayed, delayed. And that for me is the one thing that, um, you know, I want because all of my cameras are outside. Right. So there's a, there's a company that made a kind of exterior holder yep. outside for these. Uh, I forget, it's called Drop Accessories or something. Um, and it's really interesting design, Christina, because you take the, the ring off your drop cam right. and install it in this little housing outside. So if you read the forums uh, on Dropbox, they will, I mean, I'm sorry, on Dropcam uh, or Nest, they will warn you that, you know, cameras break all the time inside of these things um, because they overheat. And if you look at the design on the back of it, like there's a really big heat sink. For me, I'm looking at it, I'm going, I live in Boston and it's cold so much of the year. So <laughs> I am legitimately not really worried about that. Like, um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, I yeah. think it'll be fine. I mean, I think yeah. it'll be fine. And if it's not, it's not like it's that expensive to replace. You know what yep, I mean? Like, story, it would probably be story. worth it to test. I maybe wouldn't install it for all of them, but maybe try it for one of them and see how it works. Um, yeah. I, but yeah. I think that that's a really interesting point, which is like like you said, you know, that the outdoor version has been delayed and delayed and delayed to the point that literally people are creating, you know, s secondary markets for accessories for these things because people want it so badly. And then the end result yeah. ends up not being as good. And I think that's your problem when you're such a perfectionist is that people will i mean people really want something and they love your products so much i mean it's it's really on the one hand it's, it should be gratifying that people want to create accessories for it but on the other hand it's like when you're then having to tell people well maybe don't use this outdoors because it'll overheat it's like okay well then what what needs to happen internally so that you can actually get a product that you've had in development for a long time pushed out the door yeah yeah i couldn't agree more cool brianna what are you up to uh i <laughs> 
Guys, I'm getting on a plane on Monday, and I don't even know why I'm going to where I'm going. I hate that. I, I hate know. that about um, your life. Uh, my assistant uh, was nearly hospitalized <laughs> this week because she has pneumonia, oh, and no. she's coughing oh, up no. blood. So oh, no. um, I was be- I know. <gasps> so awful. I was behind on everything before, and now she has pneumonia, and I have no idea who's writing me because I don't like have access to my email or anything. So I'm just <gasps> And I can't be oh, like, no. come on, get up, go to your computer, give me this information. Um, so I'm hoping she's well enough on Monday by the time I get to this flight to tell me what I'm doing out there. So I am worrying. I am worrying. Because you're getting uh, on a flight yeah. and like, you don't know why. I am. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why I'm going to Seattle after that either. You're going to end up in – oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You're going to Seattle. I was like, you're going to end up yeah, in Antarctica yeah. or something. So, Simone, I don't understand. You're selling – you're to sell? We have to talk about this because that is not correct. I know. I, I should have told oh. you. So uh, I left the Tercel at my apartment. My mom is going to come get it. She's going to take it back to Port Townsend where it will retire with the other old cars in a nice small town where the speed limit is 25 miles an hour. Remind us of her name again. My mom or the Tercel? The Tercel. The Tercel is a boy. His name is Pip. It's a boy. Pip. Pip. Sorry. <laughs> my so, mom so, so, is I didn't mean Susan. to misgender him. But- <laughs> Okay, so Susan's taking care of Pip. Wait, you said you were you were selling your Tercel. You can't do that. I I know, I know, I know. It's a it's a you have an ulterior motive here. Is the problem? You I I do want your Tercel. If I had your Tercel, because I have a huge yard now, and I grew up in Mississippi, I would take your Tercel apart and I would put like a a, 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 a giant engine in it. <laughs> and then I would like put giant tires on it. I would turn it into the Batmobile is what I would do. And I was under yeah. the impression when you Facebook messaged me in fury that I was yeah. selling my Tercel, <laughs> that you wanted to keep it as a museum piece to like my, we, my early uh, years. But now you're saying you're going to gut it and make I'm it into a I'm saying it deserves, I'm saying, I'm saying your Tercel should go to someone who appreciates how awesome it is like because it has some quality to it where it trans you know what it is your your tercel is like the movie sucker punch which was also de- directed by Zack snyder which is so terrible yes it's it was the worst movie ever like i imagine uh Zack snyder sitting there directing it and going Gosh, you know what? Which one's empowerment and which one's rape again? I can't remember. <gasps> which one is it? Oh, and it's so terrible, and but it's so awesome at the same time that it just becomes like something I can't turn away from. That is your Toyota Tercel. I can't believe you just compared <laughs> my Tercel to rape. <laughs> no, it's the confusion over that. So. Like, come on, like the sucker punch, they have these huge things. It's like, you know, like the character Baby Doll, like she's sexually assaulted, and the theme of it is it's supposed to empower her. And I'm like, no, no. I, well, let's also oh, talk about her name and her whole thing, right? It's kind of, I mean, oh, that whole character oh. was kind of, anyway. Yeah. We, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. There's probably still time. I can I can call my mom and say, put that car I on a train. Get it to <laughs> I gotta, get it to Brianna's mountaintop to mansion. Seattle, I'm just gonna put on like a a, a costume <gasps> and I don't know. Or I'm gonna send Frank over there and he's like, Hello, I'm here to buy your tercel no, you know. today. <laughs> and I'm gonna get that tercel. <laughs> 
It's probably still in Bothell. I think if you went up there, it would still be sitting there and you could steal it. If I it. stole it, would you press charges? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Right. No, Which would right, you get right. away with it. It's here on Rocket. We got it on tape. Christine's Dude. my witness. Yeah. It's here on Rocket. You like have just enabled her yeah. to like steal your Tercel. Pip is, should, should. Yeah. Stephen, delete this section. <laughs> no. <laughs> Leave it in. I promise I won't press charges against <laughs> Brianna Wu. I promise. No, seriously, Simone. Like, like, I would get that, and I would put, like, the most badass paint job on it ever. Like, it would just be a rainbow. You would get it would the be a rainbow, and I would I... paint it with flames. And I would put, yeah, rainbow I would change flames. nothing about the engine or how it handles, which is horrible. And I would put the most awesome, like, speaker system in it. <laughs> it would be great. That's yeah. what it's lacking, yeah. mostly, is the speaker system. Since one of the speakers yeah. is kind of broken, and the other is from yeah. 1988. Um, <laughs> Christina, what are you up to this week? Well, so I finished my uh, Apple uh, iPhone SE review, and uh, so that was good. And uh, now I'm just kind of, uh, it's, it's the freaking weekend, and so I'm just enjoying that. Um, I'm not really up to too much. I'm so just, glad. Uh, the Apple FBI stuff was delayed, which was useful. For me, because it means that, that I don't have to work quite as hard. But um, yeah, I mean, just uh, Microsoft Build is next week. So they're going to be introducing the, the HoloLens dev kits. <gasps> Oculus stuff comes out next week. There's a lot of ha stuff happening in the tech world. I'm not intimately involved with a lot of that, but I'll be excited to, to read and write and, and uh, play with some of that I'm stuff. so excited for the, the Oculus launch because I'm going to get to play with it all next week, I think. I think if we can get our, our, our rift back from... The product team. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's what I'll be doing next week is hopefully um, messing around with the Rift, capping, capturing some game footage, and publishing it on the internets where I work. Uh, I'm super excited to start my second full week in New York at Polygon. Uh, my first week was amazing. I just, I, I'm really you happy. You guys have made some big I love my job. Too. So, um, you know, I oh, hope it's yeah. okay to oh, say yeah. this, but, um, you know, Christine, maybe I was talking out with you. I can't remember who, but we were talking about some of the problems with, uh, you know, Polygon going forward, you know, especially with, you know, GameSpot where they laid off, you know, half their staff two years ago and kind of, you know, made this new team with Alexa kind of on it. And, you know, Polygon, I think it's fair to say, doesn't, didn't really have a good video team, you know? Um, and I remember when, you know, Chris Plant did that, uh, you know, Hakuni, uh, uh, you know, what's her name? Hakuni Mitsu or whatever her name is, like that video. And it was awesome. Uh, yeah, I got, um, I always forget her name. I, I mean, the time. general point is like Polygon really needs to step up their video content. And I think it's just so awesome that you're on the forefront of what's clearly going to be the most important content over at that channel. Well, no, like know? we, the people who are on, who are mm -hmm. on the video team sure. work really hard, but it's just a simple fact that there are, there were only like a couple of them and now we're flushing it out so that they can have more time to do their awesome original stuff. Um, and then the rest of us can start doing our awesome original stuff, but it's just like having, you know, pulling, pulling that whole machine forward, doing original con awesome, original content, like monster factory, like Griffin's amiibo corner, which I find hilarious. I love it. I love it so much. Um, being able to do that stuff takes a lot of time. And when you also have to put out videos, like informational videos about video games that are very much like 
this is the baseline of what Absolutely. people need to see on your website about the about video games so that they they are informed and um they know what's coming out that takes time as well because you're playing games and capturing footage and stuff so for for just the the very very small team that was doing it before it was really difficult so i'm I'm, that's what I'm really happy about is being able to take some of the pressure off them. Well, and I want to be really clear here, you know, like the, yeah, and I want to be really clear. The, the video team at Vox is awesome. And I think like what Vox Media in general has done well since the beginning is prioritized um, photography and video work. And like, you know, Chris Plant's, uh, you know, Hakuni Mitsu video was excellent. Like it's super researched. It has clips from like, you know, 20 different mods. It's a fantastic point. Um, you just need more of that. And I think it's awesome. You're going to be, you know, they're doing that. Hatsune Miku, that's her name. I always reverse yeah. the syllables in it because I am the worst. Um, yeah, yeah. So I am. I am very. Yeah. I'm on the same page. I'm super pumped, and I think that. I mean, I've <laughs> having worked at Polygon for only three weeks, I love it, um, and I'm sure I'll continue to love it. I'm really excited about what we're doing in the future. Um, as I, I think I mentioned, uh, we hired a new executive producer. Uh, she just started on Monday. Her name is Tara Long. She used to work at Rev Three and on the Weather Channel. And she's gonna whip us into shape. So um, I'm super excited to keep working with her and the rest. She has of the a team. great reputation. So yeah, uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal, or whichever city I end up being in for whatever reason. I could just we be don't on the know. Street it could be anywhere. Around. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, what about you? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams and the Snapchats, and uh, you can find uh, my Mashable my, and you can find my writing at Mashable.com. Nice, and you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar, and you can find my videos on Polygon.com and Polygon's YouTube channel. Thank you for listening listening to this episode of Rockets. If you liked it, please pop over to iTunes and give us some ratings or recommend the episode on Overcast or something. Um, share it to your friends and family. Uh, we really appreciate it. Leave a review if you feel like it. Uh, thanks again so much. This episode is terminated. 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 Stop and record.